Um, do you feel good? I feel great. How do you smell? Uh, how do you, all right. How do you taste? Delicious. All right. Now we're ready. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm counting us down, baby. In three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Missing Out. We are the retrospective that's introspective. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, uh, we introduce each other to different media, whether it be films, movies, which are the same thing, TV, music, also television. Did I say that? Doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm Tari J, and I'm joined by a, a good friend of mine, Andrew Minna. Oh, hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me, Tari. You're welcome. So excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. This is a Puffy Vest Brothers special. Puffy Vest Brothers! Maybe you know uh, Andrew from After Buzz. We've done Dark Matter after show together. Or maybe you know uh, Andrew from the L.A. comedy scene. Sure. Maybe you've been, maybe you're around. That's true. Hey, guys. Yeah. Good. good. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Um, To your friends and family. Hey, Mom, if you listen to this, I'll tell her. Uh, can you? Yeah, I will. Mom, uh, if I don't tell you about this and you somehow find out about it, uh, react badly for me. Great. Yeah. It's classic Andrew's It'll be mom. fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, and Andrew brought to the show a very, uh, a very special treat for us. Also, for those who miss Lex Michael, he is at his capacity for anime. Yes. And so I offered him to watch the show with us, and he was like... I will not, and he punched me in the face and right. ran. And I, I picked Tari up, and I said, hey, you know what? Forget him. I'll help you do the show. And now I'm going to be the regular uh, other person on the show but, uh, opposite Tari. You guys are going to be so excited. It's going to be great. Uh, moving forward, Lex is never coming back. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yes, uh, he's and- quit. He so. did, and Andrew's now chained to the desk. Yeah, that's it's right. His, he's a chain. But He'll these be are here chains. Forever. Yeah, these are intentional chains. Chains of joy. Ah, yeah. Lex never says anything about chains of joy. Well, hey, I'm not Lex. That's true. Uh, <laughs> though you best watch your back, son. I will. You best. You you best watch your back. <laughs> okay. Uh, Andrew has brought in Neil Yokio for us to watch. Whoop whoop. It is a show that is on uh, Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. It's a six-episode series. It's a very short run. It was created by Ezra Koenig of uh, Vampire Weekend. Yes. Uh, it, it is star-studded cast. It Absolutely. Has, it's, the star is Jaden Smith. Correct. Um, and it has Jude Law as the butler, right. Susan Sarandon as his aunt. Uh, who else do we have? At some point, uh, Jason Steve Schwartzman. Yeah. Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Richard Ayoade, if you're an IT crowd fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said Steve Buscemi already. Uh, John DiMaggio has a couple small roles. Stephen Fry has like a small uh, part in it. It just it has everybody. It's crazy how many people it has. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it. it's it's Banana Town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will say. That I was hesitant to watch. Yes. Um, I had a lot of reservations. I didn't think it was my style. And so Andrew suggested that I give it a chance. And he uh, advised that I really like let myself dive into it and, and appreciate it for what it is. Me being a real big anime snob. Um, yes. I, not, not to say that uh, my snobbery was getting in the way. It's just... Uh, I didn't know if it was going to appeal to me. Yes. No, you typically, and I don't think that this is a bad thing, but you typically know uh, pretty pretty much going into something whether or not you're going to like it. Right. I, you have a good idea. And, and I was hoping that this would pleasantly surprise you and uh-huh. like you'd be able to see it for what it's trying to be. Right. Uh, which I think it does pretty well, to be honest. Uh, it feels like a, like a weird opportunity. Or like a weird thing that uh, this, what's his name, Ezra Koenig yeah. from Vampire Weekend was like, you know what, music's nice, but also let's make this thing. Right. I'm a fan of I anime. Mean, he manages to to uh, to kind of marry the two. It's a, there's a really good score to this, uh, and there's a, a real 
I, I want to say hipness about it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, There's like an, like a very uh, modern and hip ironic detachment that the whole series kind of like lives inside this bubble of. Yeah. It feels like. So yeah, it's definitely like a musician's like attitude as well. The, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, speak. Yes. Uh, in terms of the tone and the attitude, it makes me wonder if I like what I would feel like viewing this through the prism of a uh, like a Gen Z person who Jaden Smith himself is part of Gen Z which is right. like anyone who was born in the latter parts of the 90s I want to say it's like 96 and later sure. um, and I feel like this definitely has a like a a uh, words it definitely has a words uh, no <laughs> it has uh, the words yes. it has it has a, place. It has a lot of words to be it, honest yes uh, it definitely I brought has a, a few of them today. Oh, uh, it has a place. A lot of these words. All right. I had to do it one more time. <laughs> uh, I quit. Ah! <laughs> now <laughs> it's just me, you guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the Andrew Mena Presents Missing Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mena. Uh, thank you, guys. We have a wonderful show today. Tari, my guest. Uh... <laughs> I'm back. Right. <laughs> uh, Couldn't no. resist that sweet guest spot. <laughs> um... But yeah, I feel like it has a very interesting perspective. And I think that if you are in that demographic, it will appeal to you because I, from the, the things that I've read about Gen Z and the things that I've heard lectures about, that they are very much, they're very concerned with public appearances. They're very concerned with um, like their placement in society. Uh, but they're also really detached in terms of emotional attachments. And they also are probably what would one would describe as one of the more depressed generations. Absolutely. Um, and so you get that a lot with Kaz. Uh, he spends a lot of his time kind of moping about being sad, uh, sad about his place in the world, which yes. is ironic because he is, is doing rich. great. He's real rich. Yes. Yeah. He was um, arguably like doing very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think has speaks to like the bigger uh, theme of the show, um, which ha- which is mostly that this this obsession with the veneer of being uh, of being obsessed with you, how you look and how people see you and all that stuff is ultimately what is leading to your unhappiness. And the moment that you are removed from it, you can actually have genuine connections and you can actually have these, you can form these relationships. So I I thought that was a really interesting aspect of it. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think uh, what it tries to do uh, beyond just the kind of interpersonal stuff, because I do think that there's a a vague sense of self-awareness when it comes to Jaden Smith's character. Yeah. It it doesn't just feel like, oh, this is a character we wrote and we put Jaden Smith in it. It feels like this is almost like maybe a parody of who Jaden Smith's perceived to be. Okay. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Because this... A lot of the, the weird tweets that we get from Jaden Smith that people will like, you know, uh, take a picture of and show people and be like, well, isn't he crazy? And isn't he weird? Is I think commented on within the show. Because I think that Generation Z, like, attitude persona is Jaden Smith incarnate, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, the, the kind of mechanic of this world of New Yokio and the, you know, top 50 uh, bachelor list, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and all of this is kind of facilitated around this world, this neo riche and all of that, like all of, and just the, the style of language and the style of culture that it is, I feel like is all kind of is built to around this like fancified version of what Jaden Smith essentially like thinks he is maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think he's playing with that cause it does honestly also sound like he's having the time of his life, like playing this silly, like, uh, like role, uh, this yeah. over uh, exaggerated version of himself. It feels like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you get that sense from him at all? I think that he did the, uh, Bare the like character, uh, the way that it was written. I feel like, and this is me being a voiceover elitist. Sure. Um, I feel like it's hard for people who are just, uh, like on screen actors to do voiceover because there's so much more you have to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think by the second or third episode, he like got the character and he was like in it and it took, it was, 
easier to adjust to him playing this character. Whereas, like, I feel like in the first few episodes, it felt like you were just watching a an avatar for Jaden Smith, and you can hear Jaden Smith, and then it took a while for him to disappear and for Kaz to appear. I think you're right. I th- I'm not sure, honestly, just from his past, if this is, like, his first venture into playing a character for this long mm-hmm. but or if, if we're playing an animated care for, character for this long because your comment is really more about like his ability to like maintain the voice or maintain the character or like stay within that body essentially right well no it's more about kind of bringing the character to life hmm. um i felt okay. he yeah. felt like he got illuminated later on like right. he was he start he started out just very gray and then just got that color and pleasant filled out yeah yeah i i felt like he in the first episode, it felt like he was kind of just saying the lines. And the lines at, in the Almost first episode... Almost lend themselves to him just saying them, right? Right. Yeah. Um, they are... They, at some t- some points, feel like um, like they are just kind of strung together. Uh, not in a bad way, but like... Um, I feel like he wasn't settled into the character at that point. And so, like delivering lines like the i think one of your favorites about like what is time etc etc um was still kind of foreign to him but like as he got the character more and as he played him throughout the course of the like few episodes then he he like settled in so like once you get to the later parts where he's like taking baths and and like interacting with giant uh toblerones and things of that sort like i think that that is when he really started to shine as that character. Yes, I would agree. I think those latter episodes also are deep enough in the kind of weird lore of this show that you're allowed to have more like weird moving pieces. And so as a result, it feels more more fun and immersed. Like the, this is a real thing happening finally. Right. Whereas the beginning of the show does have kind of a slow start and feels like, okay, what's the point? What are the stakes? Cause like for, for all intents and purposes, the stakes are like, he can't live his lifestyle anymore if he doesn't like do work. Right. Right. Like his aunt's his aunt, who is very much like the mother in Archer sort of figure uh, is essentially like, you have to pay for your lavish apartment by doing work like a normal person. Mm-hmm. And he just cannot deal with that. And that starts to be like the only real stakes beyond once he gets on the bachelor board because he's been broken up with, which is like almost like a Romeo and Juliet sort of reference. It feels like, because he is a very like Romeo esque character, not necessarily in the way that he ends up, but in the way that he, is and speaks and like Romeo and Juliet starts with Romeo having just been broken up with and just being like, Oh man, this is, today is the worst day ever. I've been wearing black and staying inside and I'm the worst and just, I'm going to die later. Yeah. It's just like, this is foreshadowing cause I'm awful. Um, it almost <laughs> feels like, and I don't know if that's maybe where they're going with, uh, Neo Yokio is just having like this intensely tragic ending, but it does feel like a lot of his monologues are Romeo-esque. He's just a guy who's just so melancholic that he has to expose about it. He's just like, mm, feel my pain and my anguish like ooze out of me. Right. And so I, I feel like it's all so, it's so masturbatory, you know? It's just him just like having just a big sad boner and just going to town on it a little bit, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, I know that's a little graphic, but it's just, it's, it's how... It's less graphic and more, <laughs> I'm a very visual person. And so you so saw the boner. I did, and but it had like a really sad face on it. It was like like where the head is, had little, uh-huh. little googly eyes, Aww. and the, the like pee hole was well, like a sad mouth. how can googly mouth. eyes be sad? Very easily. Oh, okay. You got you put them googly eyes on a on a. Uh, everyone on a sad tweet mouth. at Tari the sad googly eyed dick so that we can all see it. Because I I just I need a physical I need a visual. I mean I'll retweet it. Like, <laughs> like if you tweet me a pic of a uh, a sad dick as long as it's drawn. It's gotta have the googly eyes. Not. Uh, not an actual as, picture. Yes. As right. long as it's not your penis or right. your friend's penis with googly eyes taped on it. And then tape to make the pee hole sad. And don't I think it'll be fine. Don't think that you're gonna get around these rules by using glue. He he said tape, but he means any adhesive. Yes, that's true. I, if I see any real flesh, I will not retweet it. I know your fans like to go around the rules. They're real sneaky. Yes, they're the sneakiest. You sneaky fans. Um, you so you you talked about mm-hmm. uh, the show being kind of like 
or not the show, but like Kaz kind of reminding you of Romeo and Romeo yes. and Juliet. And it made me think of how many references were in this show. A lot. Um, yes. It, it was intriguing because every episode felt like slightly a slightly different reference to another show. Absolutely. And uh, even, even small references like having the masks in the one episode with the party. Like, oh, these are tuxedo masks. Right. Like, okay. Which was the same episode with Sailor Pellegrino, mm-hmm. which is a reference to Sailor Moon. Right. Um, we also had the episode, uh, I want to say... It was the, like, episode four or five in... Uh, the Ranma? Yes, the Ranma uh, and half. Yes. Uh, and I want to say this, uh, before we even start talking about that, is in some of my reading, I found that people found that episode very problematic, which I thought was very interesting, because I didn't view it that way, because I was actually, I have a bunch of the manga of Ranma and half. I used to read that story, so I thought it was, you know, uh, a send-up of that, specifically. So... Talking about it through the lens of like uh, like a trans uh, experience, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even I never thought of that. And I don't know that we'll talk about that because I don't know that we have any insight on it. But I just wanted to point out that there is like a whole like realm of experience out there that I think that is probably being felt about that specific episode that yeah. I, I don't have any authority to speak on. Right. I mean, yeah, if if you had specific thoughts, then I mean, go ahead. I I know that people's issues were that they felt like it was uh, kind of insensitive to the to to those who are in fact trans. Mm-hmm. Like, though I did like uh, if I'm going to give any thoughts about it, uh, I did like that they did use it to show that he is pretty misogynistic yes and he doesn't really care about anyone but himself absolutely i thought they used i i i thought personally and please don't at me but you can um they did this very well and i thought that the kind of like overall message was received that like kaz is a dick like and he doesn't really think of you're right like anyone besides himself right he certainly uses women like their objects and i think that's demonstrated throughout the show i thought that this was the moment of them trying to acknowledge that within the show. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Ranma one half episode is essentially this big kind of problematic, but like, uh, like loadedly problematic. Like it knows it's problematic. And so I think that's kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know about any of this. You know what? I think I'm going back to my, I don't have the authority to speak on this really, okay. but I thought that it was handled well. I, okay. I, I I perceived it well. In fact, in my in my research to find like to uh, hear this opinion was the first time that I had considered it. So it's a it's an interesting uh, uh, perspective that I think that I would love to hear more on. But uh, I kind of felt like this was like a fun send up of an anime that I was a fan of. You know, like it was right. very. I was actually expecting because I'm a fan of the anime for them to go back and forth between genders more mm-hmm. and for that to be played for some sort of something. But it was really just like. No, yeah, we, this is the moment where we're going to call Kaz out yet again for being kind of a piece of garbage. Yeah. And I think that the show is that, like, it, over and over and over, is, like, people being like, Kaz, you're garbage. And, yeah. And us, the audience, being like, yeah, I know, duh. <laughs> I hope, at least. Yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, I agree in that problematic pieces aside, like, it did its job of servicing the greater point that Kaz is self-centered. In the episode... In that same episode is the one where he literally wouldn't let uh, the butler recharge. Mm-hmm. Every time uh, Charles, Charles, right? Charles, that's Every right. time Charles would be like, I need to recharge, he'd be like, I'm doing my own thing. Right. Don't bother me. Right. And so like that whole episode was to, to kind of service that point. And it was just driven home by the way he treats his friends and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And that like his, him losing his girlfriend in the beginning, uh, at first you feel sympathy for him, but then you realize that like it was more uh, akin to him losing his favorite, like, like his iPad breaking or like some, uh, some object becoming unusable. Yes. And it is essentially another moment in which he can make the moment about him. Right. Like it's always like, this is the, like, this is the story of Kaz. It's a series of moments where he's like, Oh man, isn't it awful? Isn't it hard to be me? Oh, someone, everyone should just like love me because it's so hard. Yeah. And he's just like, and he gets it. Like he gets all of the love that he wants from everyone. Pretty much. Yeah. He has like a wild success with almost everyone he runs into. Even the villain, Archangelo, eventually is just like, you know what? Let's be friends. I feel like. 
Yes. Well, it's like almost for no reason. <laughs> well, you mean Archangelo becoming his friend? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, mm-hmm. um, so I ta- I like hint- not hinted at it earlier because this isn't a game show. I mean, um, but you could have. I could have. Um, this could be. But like I kind of touched on it earlier where when I was talking about the role that uh, your people's perception of you plays and that I liked that Archangelo not having the pressure of impressing this board was able to become friends with him. He's like, I don't have a reason to compete with you. It's not like I'm looking at your Instagram and you're doing more cool things than me. So I have to up one up you. And that means we can't be friends. It means that like they can actually have an interpersonal relationship because they are so similar. Yeah. They're essentially the same person. Right. Uh, so I really liked that once you remove the, I'm air quoting social media aspect of Mm -hmm. it, like it allows that space for interpersonal connection. Um, I don't know if that was the intended purpose of that episode or their friendship, or if it was just supposed to be like a, a nod to how enemies in anime become friends. I think there's a, definitely a piece of that in there. Right. Because there is like, so like it. The way he just like he sits down at at like brunch where Aunt Agatha is supposed to be, he like kind of sits. He like invades his life in that way that like anime villains do. Yeah, and like becomes his friend in the course of it. I just think he's delightful. I think Jason Schwartzman does such a delightful job as Archangelo. Yeah, I, I definitely like him a lot more as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Like I think from the moment that he becomes friends with him is the moment that I become ingratiated to him before that. He's just a guy who shows up and is like in yep. insignificant plot point, have your insignificant plot point, And he drives off mm-hmm. or he's like midnight blue tuxedo. You're a piece of garbage. Bye. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's, he is the Canadian cross of the <laughs> of show. Characters, yes. Um, for those in the audience who don't know what a Canadian cross is. Just look it up on Wikipedia. Yeah. No, it'll uh, tell you. It's a, it's an improv term where essentially, uh, if you're doing a scene, uh, the, the, a person will cross the scene and in either make things worse or make things better and then just move on. And so if there was a scene between Andrew and I and we were coworkers and I was like, oh man, uh, one of us is going to get fired today. Who knows? And then we start doing our scene. And at some point someone comes in as our boss and is like, oh, by the way, uh, Tari's fired. Then that increases the stakes or they go, or the person comes in as our boss and is like, Turns out we have the funds to keep both of you. Everything is great. And they fix the situation. Uh, that is a Canadian cross. You just learned something in this Boom. show. Also, a Canadian tuxedo is when you wear all denim. Yeah. Uh, you're learning all the Canadian terms today. Welcome back to the Canadian Termcast. Um, yeah. You're missing out on those Canadian terms. <laughs> yeah, you are. Wow. Let's also talk about poutine. That's the only other Canadian thing I know. Uh, Sorry. Maple and hockey. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what a stereotype. <laughs> We got oh, man. Jim Carrey is from here. Ooh, and Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Ooh, boom, boom, boom. Canadia. Yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> this is what they watch for. Pretty much. Yeah, this and is... they do watch. They do stare at whatever device is playing this audio. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know there was video. There's a camera there. Whoa. There's a camera there. What? There's a camera there. Whence? They're all for my personal use, but oh. uh, you well. know, I repurpose. Well, then uh, maybe I should show you these. Ah oh, man. Yeah. You just put your balls on the table. I sure did. Dang. They're yep. large. How do you walk with those? I don't. Oh, okay. Yep. I, got a scooter. I wondered how that Yep. I wondered how you why you always had that razor scooter with I, you. Well, you know, it's 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 compact and foldable as well as helping me uh, get around with these gigantic balls. Ah oh, man. You know what you could probably use? What's that? A robotic butler. A mecha butler. A now, mecha I want to point out also that uh, if anyone knows what a mecha is, uh, you saw that this reveal coming at some point. Uh, the person I was watching with was like, oh, yeah, this is is, is this about to happen? Are, are we going to see at some point that there's a little person in there? And we did. We got it. I don't even remember her name at, at this point. Uh, Sandy. Sandy. Fantastic. Uh, but we do realize that not only is he is he treating this uh, Mecha Butler robot this way, but th- there's a person in there who probably uh-huh. has never got, gets the chance to go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> is that a, like a, a like a spacesuit situation? Is she just going to the bathroom in there? Who like he 
under like finds out that there is a person in there as well. Like it is, it is not understood up to that point. Yeah. Like he has been living in that glass bubble that shatters as he understands like, Oh, have you been watching me in the bath? Like yeah, with all the bath time, darling. And she's just got this like nasty little goblin voice. Love it. Um, though that is in and of itself is problematic. He's, because the the undertone of that is, have you seen my penis a bunch? And she's like, Yep, I love it, love that penis. <laughs> like, is it cool. or is it just like, Oh yes, well don't worry about it, I've seen it all. I mean, it's fine because he's twenty, so yeah. it's not like he's underage, right? Um, I feel like it's more like a. You're right, it is creepy. I think it's <laughs> supposed to be played creepy, but I think it's like understandable creepy. It's like, right. man, this is an old lady. She's like, Yeah, I've seen a lot of dicks in my day. I'm sure this probably isn't no her first deal. robot yeah. butler gig. Uh-huh, yeah, not my first rodeo. Yeah, and she just rodeos inside that mecha butler suit. Um, do we know who voices Sandy? Is it just Jude Law doing a girl voice? God, if it is, then that makes it so much better. Uh, I need, oh, it makes it know. so good because I felt she, like it was a different person entirely. Right, I felt like that too. But, but it, if it is, Jude it definitely Law. felt like a, oh, a dude doing a lady that would be, voice. Yes, though. it did. Yes, yes, yes. Um, definitely. If you guys know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet throw this out to the audience. Yeah, tweet at us. We'll, uh, we'll give our I'm handles really at the end. Yeah. Um, or just tweet at the main missing, missing out podcast, cast. and I'll loop uh, Andrew in. Uh, yes, yep, that's how that works. I would like to know. Uh, How will he know? That was beautiful. Oh, oh, and it was his last. Oh, that was his swan song. That's why they call it that. You you sing before you die. That's weird. Welcome back to the Andrew Alone podcast, where I'm just gonna talk. Um, Neo. Oh, 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 Tari's back. Hey, All right, hey, let's cancel. What did that. I miss? What did I miss? Uh, I started a new podcast and then immediately canceled it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I mean, it happens. It's LA, buddy. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neo Yokio. <laughs> Neo Yokio. Uh, what did you think of the friend characters, the the um, Lexi and Gottlieb? Um, I felt like they were pretty forgettable until episode four when they go to the Hamptons. And it's mostly because, like, like um, Archangelo, they were only there to give exposition, and totally. then they would leave. They're just flavor characters, right. absolutely. And then you finally spend some time with them, and you know, like you realize that they have their own wants and needs. Um, I did really enjoy the uh, the Caprice cocktail bit, the oh, Caprice yeah. Martini. Yeah, because um, it basically they had their own back like b storyline that goes across all these different episodes where they launch they they come up with this idea Mm -hmm. they uh launch this product Mm -hmm. then they open a bar a tiny bar um and it, it like becomes this nice little hangout place um so i did like that they actually had their own personal arc and then they end up helping with the the main resolution at the end like they are they're they're great friends basically they're a lot of fun they are um there's something really charming i think about them to me and i think it is um that they remind me of the same dynamic and maybe they just have the same charm of like lenny and carl from the Mm. simpsons they're these two goofy guys who finish each other's sentences and who have like weirdly deep desires and like you know what i mean uh i I keep writing down oh i wrote down at least one uh quote to share with you of theirs that i just think kind of exemplifies why i like them um lexi goes oh it's an infinity pool and gottlieb answers it's the closest our mortal minds will ever come to contemplating the infinite and i just think that's delightful yeah he just is they are such bill and ted-esque characters Mm -hmm. where they just are like yeah let's talk about the meaning of the universe dog and they're they're just like using this the most colloquial language to talk about the deepest subjects and i think it's wonderful yeah um it's a formula that works on me um (laughs) (laughs) because yeah yeah i think they're just they're just the bee's knees um that said i just think that the cast in general does a lot with what they have Mm -hmm. i think the, the cast kind of chews the crap out of this scenery um I had a lot of fun watching this, man. Uh, I'm glad you made me watch it again. <laughs> um, yeah, I I would gladly make you rewatch anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of the the cast, uh, chewing the scenery, bro, 
when Bro. Steve Buscemi came oh, in. Were I, you so happy I made you watch all of those episodes? Uh, yes. Full disclosure, audience, he was like, well, how much do I need to watch of this to get the gist of it? And I was like, well, you could watch half, but Steve Buscemi, I don't even think, shows up until like episode five, so you got to watch all of it, man. There's only six episodes. Right. Um, yes, I did like how... like. His he was vaping. very persistent. Oh. Yes, where he's like, <laughs> "I'd like to smoke." Uh, just there, there's a certain like smarminess about him, mm-hmm. and he's so persistent, but he's so indirect about what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like he's really waiting for this like aha moment, mm-hmm. and it 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 never comes until the very end, and he's foiled. But like you can tell that in in the scenes that we don't see, he's like, "All right." He's he's just scheming yeah. and like I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this house. She's gonna be there, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna pull her up by the scruff and be like, I gotcha. I'm the best remembrancer in the history of ever. Oh man, the remembrancer. Yeah, I just love I love to the music and the way it cuts out. He's like, I'm the remembrancer, and it zooms in on his face, and, and there's intense music that swells up, and then suddenly it just cuts out. The who? Like he's like is this whole show uh-huh. is like a, a show full of lore and like magic, but mostly just it's about clothes and like people and like how they feel about like you know day to day. Yeah, it's just it's so wonderfully shallow in a world that seems so like literally and figuratively deep. Like like let's even talk briefly about the fact that there's like uh, an ocean in like people live under the ocean in this yeah. world like that's that's very that's almost never touched upon they call it the infamous like sea under 18th street right yeah like sea under 14th 14th street yeah. sorry yeah some some teen number <laughs> uh and that's really the only like description or kind of context we get from it it's just like oh yeah no people live underwater no big deal yeah there's like these bubble systems so Yes, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, or at mm-hmm. least talk to you, referring to the oh, audience about. The royal you. Um, I I feel like there's a there's a really big world that we are entering into, but since we're viewing it through the prism of this like self centered little guy, like we only get these little itty bitty glimpses, yeah. um, which I think is a bummer because there are so many, it's almost like how uh, adventure time, there is a whole uh, backstory that you're not really privy to. And you really have to be looking for it to To understand the the, the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this, I feel like is another one of those in that you have this place under the sea and you assume maybe it's because demons and then you have uh, these slums that you only get a little glimpse into. And one of the things that stuck out to me was when Kaz was there and like no one cared if they hit them with a car. There's a guy who's like, we're dying here and you don't care. And, and then we just move on from yep. that. And then we're just we just no longer know about that guy. Right. Yep. Um, so there are all these different facets and other like classes or casts because it seems like it's a caste system. Like, it absolutely does. Real like, born into where very distinct be. class society. Yeah. Um, and we just we don't get to explore it because we only get to see through the eyes of this young, super uh, privileged, super official, super privileged kid. Which I guess you could essentially you could pull from that if you were trying to uh you know find meaning or, or find the the subtext in that like as we are more self-centered we don't really see the world outside of our own outside of the our own scope or outside of our own vision and so there could be all this tragedy happening around us but we as a society or we as people can only really see that our our suit is midnight blue instead of black or we can only see that like uh you know uh, something is stuck in diamonds or whatever yeah in a way it's a very timely message that they're like really kind of like asking you to look for and like find for yourself in this show uh where you can kind of like see beyond what is what is being said to see what isn't being said yeah um 
Yeah. No, I, I think it's delightful. I think that there's just so I, I it offers itself so much like it's such an anime move that I wonder if he hasn't had like a whole couple seasons planned out. You know, it feels like big. It feels like there's more to this story, which, hey, I don't even know if uh, people liked it. Right. So right. we'll we'll see if people if it's going to have a return at all. But it does feel like there's a larger world here that we maybe are supposed to be getting the glimpse of. You know, we see like a demon in Sailor uh Sailor Pellegrino, yeah. you know, we we see it like be a person. Like, there's so many questions I have about how all of that works, right? right. Like, the mechanics of like they kissed, right? They straight up kissed, like when she had a human body. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? Did he kiss a demon? Did he kiss a human body that then like was like sh- like kind of like shed like some sort of like carapace for a for a bug that molted or something? Like, <laughs> I'm so curious about all of that. So. Not, none of it's explained. Very little is ever explained in this yeah. show. It's a very it's a show that's obsessed with the surface. So I'm so interested to see if there will be a transition, if this is a show about that transition of of Kazkan from the Neo Rish, the you know, the whatever, the 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 most famous bachelor in, in all of Neo Yokio, if he will get this moment where he has a fall from glory. And then we, he has to live his life in the slums or under the under the water or whatever. Yeah. And that will transform his perspective into something that lets us know what this world is with this demon war that we get a like very brief like uh, you know snippet of in this like what did it say on the bottom of the screen in the first episode like for for your consider something consideration or for promotional use only. Yes. Yeah. So very weird context that we're supposed to have for this world is this for promotional use only uh, video about Neo Yokio, right? Mm-hmm. Where a host is like sitting on like a Batman-esque column on the edge of a, a skyscraper just being like, welcome to Neo Yokio. Like, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did all of that make you feel like that first? Because that is the first thing you see is that weird promotional video. What was your what was your impression after that? Well, uh my first impression uh of the i felt like the promotional video was a nice way of kind of expositing information about this world without essentially having our main protagonist be like i live in in neo yokio and right. i'm a bachelor and oh, this man. is where it came from you guys can't see it, but tari's, tari's waving his elbows oh, up yeah. and down it's really fun i was being an anime protagonist it was good um I so i thought it was really I thought it was a really well done way of kind of getting giving us a a view or at least a small glimpse of how the hierarchies came to be, and then uh, from there kind of jumping off because it, it starts off in what I feel is was kind of in an epic tone where they're like the the magicrats came in and they vanquished the demons and right. then became the top of the top and then you kind of jump into this you jump into the perspective of this kid where he's just re- watching a tennis he's game watching really sad some butts he yeah gets some close-up of some butts yeah because he's literally looking at these women and thinking about his ex right right he's just like man girl butts i remember when i used to look at a girl butt and it wasn't weird mm-hmm. like it's just such a he's such a creep from the get-go everything <laughs> he does is designed to make you go this guy's kind of a weird entitled creep yeah um and i hope that that is a, a lens that people now will go like oh yeah romeo and juliet that guy's a weird entitled creep mm-hmm. um because it, it i feel like the more i think about it the more he reminds me of romeo yeah like in the way that he speaks especially like it's mm-hmm. designed almost that language to be flowery but ultimately negative and silly yeah and you brought up wondering if he was ever going to see beyond his like narrow perspective and i think that that had to have started with helena um where she now having been possessed by a demon which i think that if you view the demons not as actual demons but a negative stigma on a specific thing Mm -hmm. so like for example if you see chanel suits being stigmatized because of let's say for example they use child labor right um then he goes in and he finds a way to spin that and then it's he removes the like demons from it Mm -hmm. or for example how uh, diamonds are a very big attraction for demons because diamonds, as most people know or don't know, are a very um, problematic 
commodity and that essentially all of the diamonds are owned by one company and they release a, seg- a certain amount in order to adjust the worth of diamonds. Ultimately, diamonds are literally worth nothing yeah. except for the fact that they make them scarce. Right. Um, so the fact that he is going in and essentially removing the stigma from these items uh, just only helps to enhance this this veneer that this world has that you see in the promotional video. And so once he's removed this from Helena, I feel like you see she sees beyond the veneer that everyone's putting up and she can't she can't express this to him because he's not ready. There are times when you're trying to essentially express progressive terms and, and, and thoughts and ideas to someone who's not ready for them. And so like they have to, they have to experience it for themselves before they can really reach the point at which they can take it in. And I feel like that's where we end is she's, she's, uh, she's made her point. She's said everything that she can and he's helped her get through a hard time and now he's left with his thoughts about, like, maybe there's something big coming. Maybe that there is more to this world. Yes. He's left thinking, which right. is something... And thinking about the world. Thinking about uh, how... Not just about him, necessarily, but how he fits into it and how he can help. Which yeah. is, like, probably a first for him, I think. And maybe the intention of the way we end things is, like, now he's thinking about the future. He's thinking forward. He's thinking about someone else. He's done something for someone else in a real way. Not just, a, you know, snooping around trying to find, like, the, you know, demon sympathizer at his old school or something like that. He's doing real good for someone else he's saving someone's like life essentially it seems like yeah i don't know exactly what the punishment would have been if she were caught but like it does seem like they allude to something pretty bad well i think they explicitly say she's gonna hang oh is she yeah great i didn't know if that was just the colloquial she's gonna hang like uh you know like them just saying like oh she's gonna get it or whatever Uh or if they were literally like we're gonna hang her with like a rope right this also seems like in today's society in which i was like oh no we don't hang people though I mean, so, I don't we know. also don't wear silly wigs, but, you know. Don't we, though? Oh, we don't. I don't know if you... Only a madman would wear a silly wig. I guess you're right. Yeah. A madman named Steve Uzemi. Oh, no! He just he, This is what he looks like now. He's actually doing... that. It was like a picture of him. He walked in to record that day, and they're like, that's a good look. Let's, yeah. Can we do this for the show? He's like, sure, whatever. I don't, I don't care. care. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. As long as I get my paycheck. I got that Fargo money. Still getting residuals. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Neo Yokio. Neo Yokio. Um, I wonder if there will be a season two. Um, I, I think if there is, it's going to be completely different from what we've got. Potentially, yeah. Um, I mean, this did feel like a very introductory saga yes and i know that uh netflix for its kids programming typically splits like a 13 episode season into two chunks. uh two chunks same way they do with voltron mm-hmm. or other shows so uh, that project so the second Square. half maybe this yeah. in fact um so uh i imagine yeah there will be a second half and it will carry on from the the point that we left off where uh, even though it was a big circle, our main protagonist have, has changed. Yes. Um, they've they left the teaser of like something big is coming. Yes. Um, whatever that is, uh, I think it would be interesting to find out. Um, Me too, buddy. Me yeah. too. Aww. Aww. Uh, did you have any last thoughts? Um, I think that I just wanted to mention a couple things. Um, like I think that the studio production is really interesting. Like we went. It's Studio Dean is one of the producers of this. Who okay. is who is a who is a straight up produced all of the episodes of Ranma One Half. Oh, nice! Like all of them and a lot of the movies as well. Um, so I thought that was a really cool, like notable fact. Like, yeah, that's cool that they did a Ranma One App One Half episode because they worked with the studio who produced all of Ranma One Half. Uh-huh. So that's really cool. Um, a productions uh, production IG Incorporated was the other studio that produced this, okay. who also produced like really well known sh- stuff like Ghost in the Shell. Um, and the Tales of Symphonia games. Like, I don't know if you know of them, but they're very well received and like titles that people may know. Um, Batman Gotham Knight, if you saw that animated uh, Batman movie, it came out in the last like 10 years. Yes, also, yeah, that studio as well. So it's just like a a handful of things that I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I know that 
thing. So <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I just like the sense of humor and the sense of it's it's a show that doesn't take itself very seriously and people who take themselves not very seriously. It feels like no one takes themselves very seriously because. Like Archangelo says stuff like, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. But since you asked, and then just launches into a big explanation. So I feel like it's a show that just has fun. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines just from that first episode is where he goes, it, when you mentioned it earlier, just who cares what time it is when the future is an indeterminable abyss of whackness. Yeah. And I just, it's just so, it's so, it thinks it's so pithy. It has such an attitude about itself. Yeah. Like this show, this attitude this like melancholic performative like it's it, it, it is very performative too because it is very much for the outward like i want to appear very sullen i love that like right after this he goes to that grave right like and he like yeah. lays on his grave for a second it's delightful mm-hmm. um and that's all i have to say is that i think that this is a show that doesn't take itself very seriously but that hides um, underneath it, just a lot of stuff that where it's that's being alluded to, and that's maybe indicative of like the intention of the show, which is that like we uh, you definitely have a problem focusing on ourselves when it when it comes to the world, and in the in focusing on ways in which we can help uh, yeah. might might help widen our perspective. Yeah, which is what he finds out over the course of our six episodes. So we'll see what happens beyond that. But until okay. then. I I am a fan. Yeah. Um, generally, we like to ask if uh, if the other person would recommend it. And so uh, me being the new person to it, uh, I yeah. will say that I, uh, I would recommend it uh, in general. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure whom I would recommend it to. Sure. Um, so as uh, as a super elitist. Uh, anime, anime fan, yes, as a giant anime snob, mm-hmm. um, I think that this will be a hard sell for hardcore anime fans um, because I think it falls it it, it falls in a, a weird space between um, American sensibilities and Japanese stylings, um, and I know that I keep I, and just before you tweet at me uh, or or yell at me, I know that like. There are high amounts of debates about like what qualifies as anime and if right. it was American produced, it can't be an anime. Uh, and the way I like to think of it is uh, champagne made, it, right. it, you know, is just sparkling wine. Uh, so your definition of anime can fluctuate. I think that since there were so many uh, legendary uh the legendary people who worked on this show in the original anime community, just because it was originally uh, American produced, I think you can still qualify it as an anime. If you don't want to just think of it as an animation um, yeah. or like a, a not like a cartoon, we're just shorting like, animated anyway. Right. Um, so that said, um, I think that, I think it, it was a really uh, from a, from a anime perspective, I think it was a really, um, fun and interesting first anime for someone to create. Um, from a general perspective, I think that it has a lot that it is trying to say underneath the surface. And I think that if you give it the opportunity, then you will find all the like subtext and all the, of the meaning. And I think that you'll be able to identify with what its goal was, which I think that like the main, the main audience for this show is Ezra Koenig. Um, <laughs> yes. I think that he made a show that he would love. And I think that that is ultimately the spirit of making and creating art is making a thing that you would love and then hoping other people enjoy it. Right. And so I think that if you watch this show and you enjoy it, awesome. If you watch it and don't enjoy it, that's your prerogative. Yeah. Um, I think that it is, it is the ultimate vision of what he intended to do. And I think it, it fulfills the goal that he set out to fulfill. Um, so personal taste aside, um, and whether you're an anime elite or whether you're just watching it as someone who watches animated shows, I think that there is a lot of merit in it, and I think that uh, it's worth checking out. Yes, yeah. I would agree. Uh, I, I made you watch it, so I would definitely recommend it. Right. Um, to certain people. Um, 
uh, especially because I do I do agree with you. It's not for everyone. It's not everyone's cup of tea by a long shot. Um, and I think that there's like a, a lot of people who would not enjoy this and who wouldn't who would think like oh, this is very it's very fluffy or it's too much or it's too overt or it's too it hits stuff over the head too hard and it like you know what I mean like it takes itself too seriously sometimes or it doesn't take itself seriously enough at all mm-hmm. or there's a million things I could hear being said about this show and I get it I totally do um, but I think that it is a show that if you have consumed anime and then you do have a sensibility for that stuff and you grew up with any of the shows like Sailor Moon or, or, or Akira that it references a bunch or Ranma one half. If you, if you, if you've seen any of those and they're part of your, your youth, your growing up experience, then I think this is going to be like, not only like a fun little romp, but also like, like more like a surprising, uh, series of its own. Because I do think that, and we hit on this a bunch, but like I think this this show really flexes its wings and like starts to grow and become a something near the end. Those last two episodes, especially, I think, are like particularly strong. Maybe that's Steve Buscemi, but it's also, I'm sure, partially because we've 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 lived with this character so long that we now care about Kaz, like yeah. despite ourselves and despite like the fact that he's a, largely a piece of garbage. Like we care about him, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. it it definitely helped that he had a, a directive and he had something that he absolutely cared about, which was really nice. Yeah. Um. So that brings us to the end of the show. Oh man. Oh my gosh, Andrew Mena, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh. So for everyone who isn't already following you, which they should be, they should. Where can they find you? Find me on Instagram at the Andrew Mena or on Twitter at Andrew Mena, A-N-D-R-E-W-M-E-N-A. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Andrew also is part of an amazing D&D podcast yes. called The Dungeon Hole. Yes. Uh, I'm a big fan, uh, Aww, and I think you, that he'll be a big fan as well. So uh, check it out. It's on Twitter at uh, Dungeon dun- Hole. At yeah. Dungeon Hole. Just Dungeon Hole. Yep. Um, and you can find it on iTunes. You yep. can find it on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Podknife Pod is another knife thing we're well. on. Um, so I'd say check that out. Totally. Um, if you feel so inclined, make sure to hit up Lex Michael. He is at the Lex Michael. Um, and Tell him you're sad that he's not going to be on the show anymore. Yeah. Just text, just, or, yeah. Text him that if you have his number <laughs> and then tweet at him that if you have his Twitter. Oh man. Which you do now. So sad. I think he'd, <laughs> he'd cry. Um, yeah, he's still crying. <laughs> he's watching girls on a tennis court and just like, just lamenting this. Yeah. He's like my old podcast moved away. That watch you gave him. He's just throwing it over his shoulder. So sad. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Missing Out. Uh, remember that you can catch us on Twitter at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, that is on Twitter. And you can also find us on the Apple Store. You can find us on the Google Play Store. You can also find us on Podbean. So those are the places. I assume you know that because you're listening to me. Yeah. Uh, so while you're there, make sure to... Uh, Leave a rating, five stars, if you're like, oh my gosh, this show is so amazing. Any other star, I'm real sad. It just it, it, makes, it, just... it makes me sad. Um, and if you can, leave us a comment. We definitely read those out loud on the show. Uh, so make sure that you leave us a sweet, sweet comment, and you're going to hear yourself shout it out. Yeah, immortalize your words in Tari's voice. Hell yeah. Hell I may yeah. even do a character voice. Can you even I put may... a price on that? I'd say it's priceless. Wow. Yeah. What a deal. Totally. Priceless value for free. Oh. Yeah. All we need is your love. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, thanks again for listening. Yeah. Um, again, thank you for... Thanks, thanks Andrew. Thank you, Tommy. Um, hit him up on, on the Twitter and the Instagrams. Get listen to me. his podcast. Uh, and... Join us next week, probably. I don't know when this is going to air. Who knows? I don't keep track of time. What is time when you're living in an eternal something-something of whackness? Whackness. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye.